You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform with clients in over 20 Broadway shows and other clients across the entire globe, whether that's uh, in a college setting, maybe another regional theater, people still auditioning just on that uh, career grind, as we as we all know, this ups and downs of we're in the show, we're out of the show, but we're still always loving this craft. And if you're wanting to marry your pursuit in fitness with your craft, we are your one-stop shop for that. So billforthestage.com, try out a free trial. Thanks to BPN, Broadway Podcast Network. You can check them out at bpn.fm. All right, let's get to our special guest. Special guest, as always, they are currently in the West End production of Les Mis. Uh, when I reached out and was chatting just a bit with them on Insta, I'm thinking I'm speaking to a Londoner or I'm speaking to uh, someone over there in the in the UK from from that area. But no, our guest is actually uh, from Louisiana originally, Lake Charles, Louisiana. So I'm really excited to see uh, what this journey's been like that has led him to the West End. So please welcome to the podcast Donald Craig. Manuel. Hey, Donald. Hey, Joe. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Chatted with you uh, just a second before we hit record. I just, I want to jump right into it because one of my best friends is from uh, Galvez Town, Louisiana. Um, so he's always been, yes, very small, very small town. Maybe you have never heard of it. Um, never heard of but, it. Right. There's Galvez 10, which I think is in Texas, Texas, maybe? Yeah. But there's a Galvez town in Louisiana. But um, yeah, I'll email you some references after. He's got he's a songwriter, so he he's been writing songs about Louisiana for his whole life. Uh, oh, wow. but yeah. So wait, so how does this happen? How how uh I mean that's too broad of a question. Let's just rewind. You're in Louisiana. I'm very excited about this. You're in Louisiana. And let's just go with like, when do you start performing in Louisiana? When do you realize, oh, I can sing and, and I enjoy this? Well, actually, I started singing very late, um, not until I got to college. Um, I've always wanted to be a singer when I was a kid, but I never thought that I could sing. Um, however, I was an instrumentalist. I played the trumpet. So that's why I developed my ear. Um, and then when I got to college, I was planning on majoring in instrumental music. Um, we had a sight singing class and one of my professors, he heard me sing because we had to sing some of the passages in, in the class. And he was like, you know, you actually have a great voice. You ought to consider 
changing your major to voice. And I was thinking like, what are you talking about? I'm not a, I'm not a singer. That's not what I do. I play trumpet. He's like, no, I'm, I'm telling you, you have it. So I um, met with the vocal instructor and she vocal had me vocalize and do some, some warm ups and stuff. And um, sang through some stuff. And initially it wasn't that good, but after like a few lessons, she said, you know, you really have what it takes to pursue a career in, in vocal music. And so I was like, okay, they see something in me, they hear something in me. So I guess I'll just go ahead and give it a try. So that's when I decided I was going to just change my major from instrumental to vocal and um, pursue a career, well, well, a major in vocal performance. And the curriculum is basically like operatic. So um, I remember like one of my first performances because we would always have performance class every Thursday. And um, after singing that song, it was a Negro spiritual called Hush, Somebody's Calling My Name. And um, I sang that and the reception that I got from my my colleagues and, and peers and classmates was so overwhelming. I was like, wow, I never thought that this would be my life, you know. And from that moment on, I was like, you know, this is this is it. I want to just be a singer and continue to work on my craft and and just see where it takes me. Yeah. And that's yes. when it started. Wow. It's funny how life works. You know, it could you were at a fork in the road and you could have just said, no, nah, I'm going to keep doing my thing with the trumpet. Like, I'm not just going to take this blind leap of faith just because I have a few professors saying that you have real potential. So. I wonder where your life would have been if you would have stuck to the trumpet. Or do you think that inevitably, no matter what, you would have ended up singing? No, I wanted to be a band instructor. That's what I wanted to do. And so I thought mm -hmm. I'd finish my degree and just stay in Louisiana and teach music. And wow. that would be my life. <laughs> wow, what a different life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you you graduate and and how do you start off your path with vocal performance and making a career of this? Because it seems so, like yeah, like how much thought like when you were in school, how much thought did you put into it? Like how am I going to make this? What am I going to do here? Because this is not being a band director. <laughs> what am I going to make a career of this? So um, I went to undergrad at Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and my, my professors, they encouraged me, I should encourage me to go to, to graduate school. So we found a college in Chicago, the Chicago College of Performing Arts. Um, cause they wanted me, <laughs> I felt like they wanted my career more than I wanted it for myself, but they wanted to see me eventually at the Metropolitan Opera, you know, all the big opera houses. And uh, I felt like that was my path. So, um, I applied to the Chicago College of Performing Arts, got in, and so I moved to Chicago in 2005 to start my degree in vocal performance. Um, finished my degree after two years, and uh, my first professional gig was um, at the Chicago Lyric Opera uh, in Porgy and Bess. Um, and from that moment, I was like, this this is it. This is what I want to do. So I did a few more shows with that company. And I don't know if you know of that company, but it's like one of the most prestigious 
opera houses in the country uh, next to the Met. Um, And I felt like, you know, I was doing pretty well. Um, I was in the ensemble where I wanted to be, you know, a principal, but um, I was kind of okay just doing my thing in the background. Um, Mind you, I was also working a full-time job at the same time in um, HR in Chicago, which I absolutely hated. (laughs) I was like, this is just not it. But I stayed there for five years, and it gave me, like, the flexibility to do my performing as well as, um, you know, my my day job as well. Um, And then it just got to the point where I said, you know, I have to sacrifice, like make this sacrifice and just walk away from this because this is not what I want to do. I want to be on stage. So um, it was a point when I wasn't doing any performing at all and I still working that job and I said, you know what, I'm just going to quit. I don't have anything lined up, but I'm going to quit and just trust in my gift and myself and what I have. And um, that was actually in 2013. And um, I started working for a local theater in Chicago, the Black Ensemble Theater. And I worked there for a few years. And ever since then, I never went back to uh, a day job. You know, I was just performing since. Um, I think the longest break that I had was during the pandemic since then. So I feel like if you know, if you have something and you you work on it talent wise and trust what you have and believe in yourself, then you'll be fine. And that's what I've been doing. I'm just so grateful that, you know, grateful for the people that planted those seeds in my life and showed me that I could, do this and I never knew that I could so it's so crazy how life works out yeah the the people in your life to support you and encourage you are extremely important and then the bravery or the willingness to just jump there's so many people out there with great talent great potential and the biggest thing in their way was just the starting point so if you didn't have that willingness or bravery to just say, you know what, I'm going to stop this nine to five and and really get after it and and see where this happens. You know, again, who knows where you would have turned out. So your first international gig, like let's draw us a map of how you end up in London. You know, what, what did it, was it Hong Kong that led to London? Like how did, how did you end up where you're at right now? Um, so my first international gig was uh, an international tour of Porgy and Bess. Um, once I left the country for the first time, I was like, wow, there's so much more than the U.S. And I want to see it all if I can. So that's when I was just encouraged and motivated to get away from the States. Um, so I came back to the States after that tour. Um, from then I uh, worked for Disney Cruise Line, did some more traveling, which then led me to Hong Kong. So I was um, working at Hong Kong Disneyland, doing um, the Festival of the Lion King, which is basically a shortened version of the actual Lion King. And I was Scar. Um, This was, I started working there in 2016, I believe. 
um, in 2019, I met my partner there, <laughs> which uh, my partner is from the UK. So I was like, well, okay, I'd like to come over to the UK and try out the West End. So came okay. over in the midst of uh, the pandemic. Uh, I got an agent, and that's when I booked The Phantom of the Opera. Crazy how that happened because I booked the agent, and um, my audition process was just completely virtual. Like, I never walked into an audition room. Actually, it was never like anything on Zoom or anything. I just submitted videos and mm. booked The Phantom of the Opera in the West End. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so that's basically how I got to the UK. My agents were able to sponsor my work visa. Because um, most people often wonder, like, well, how are you able to work there? You know, being an American. But with my agents, they were able to do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is all relatively new then, just within the past couple of years. Yeah, I've been here since. Yeah, I've been here since April twenty-one. Yeah, April of twenty-one. Okay, very cool. And you booked your first West End show by just submitting videos. Video submission. The times we're the 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 times we're living in now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so now you're you're in Les Mis playing uh, the Bishop, correct? That's correct. Yeah, and any like background with this show? It's such an iconic show, you know. I feel like anyone. It's it's amazing that you're in the West End, but Les Mis is just one of those shows that that you're like almost in a special fraternity, if you will, within musical theater because of how much that show means to so many people. What's it like uh, getting to do that show eight times a week? And I know it's not the shortest show either, so <laughs> it could be a grind for y'all. What's uh, what's your experience been like thus far? Man, it has been so amazing. It's by far like one of my favorite jobs ever. And even though it's you know it's still new for me, um, like first as you know, like it's an epic show. The music, the story. Um, but on top of that, the camaraderie that I have with my, my colleagues is just out of this world. Um, I feel like I've found a new family. Um, and just to be a part of this show that's been around for 38 years now, like it stood the test of time and it's still going strong. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Um, even though I am the bishop, I, I still have an ensemble track. And if I could describe Les Mis in two words, quick change. <laughs> the quick changes okay. in that show are insane. Like all of Act One, I'm changing clothes like after every scene, and it's intense. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's so much fun. It's something the audience doesn't really think of, is that they think your job is just when you're on the stage, but they have no idea what you're doing when they can't see you. I have no clue. Have you counted them up? How many quick changes do you have in Act One? Uh, I twelve. Wow! And are we yeah. talking like just the top, or are we talking like top pants, vest, shoes, like facial well, hair stuff? Maybe. Uh. Okay. Well, some of them I'm just changing the top. Um, 
but yeah. most of them I'm changing everything. I think it's maybe yeah. like two changes where I'm just taking my top off and replacing it with another. Yeah. With have you have you kept that all like uh, straight in regards to no one's ever come out on stage with like the wrong the the wrong piece or like their velcro is not completely you know uh, connected and it's falling you know I'm sure your off stage costume crew's phenomenal and that's never happened but I'm just trying to maybe dig for a funny story if there's one. <laughs> um, I can't think of anything as far as anyone else, but for the dress rehearsal, first time in costume, I didn't even make it to the scene as the bishop. <laughs> because <laughs> the, the quick change, it was a new costume. And so the dressers, they weren't familiar with the new costume. So it was just new for all of us. Um, so we had to stop during the dress rehearsal. And of course we had opening night later that evening. So I was just so frantic. I was like, oh God, if we do this for the actual show, I'm just going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but um, fortunately, I was able to make the, the change ever since. But that dress yeah. rehearsal was the worst. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So now that you're in the show, your your time with the show, how, how do they do it there? One year, two year? What are like the contracts look like? I'm just trying to see uh, like the foreseeable future. How long at the at the least are you going to be with the show? Uh, they're year long contracts. Okay, so yeah. the reason I the reason I ask is, you still do you still feel like you have fallen into this career, or do you now have settled into the sense of like I'm in this for the long haul? Like, do you see yourself continuing a career in musical theater, or Maybe you haven't looked that far, which is okay, <laughs> but just curious as to, cause I still feel like I don't even know if I'm going to sit in what I'm doing forever. So it's just a question I like to bring up. No, that's a good question. Um, actually, I've been thinking about this quite a lot, even though I enjoy this show a lot. Um, I'm thinking maybe two years in this particular show, but beyond that, um, I like to experience what I'm like on stage as opposed to just being a character. Okay. Um, so I kind of want to get back in touch with myself as a vocalist. I'm a singer first. And um, like, I didn't go to, to drama school, like all of my colleagues here in the UK, because it's just not a thing. Like I studied opera. Um, so I just want to get back to singing and um, writing music um, I'd love to do like some guest entertainer stuff on like ships mm -hmm. or just wherever. Uh, yeah. I want to see more of the world, but yeah, I think that's what I want to do next. Nice. I'm yeah, not cool. saying that I'll turn down another show, but <laughs> right, I'm, right, right. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I hear, I hear you on that. Um, let's step off the stage. So who's Donald outside of singing um, or performing what what are some of your hobbies? More casual, getting to know you section of our chat today. Sure, um, I'm so chill. Um, <laughs> I, hello, I actually, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, but you're the most chill. I'm like, when I started this conversation, I'm thinking, man, I need to call Donald like every morning to put my like anxiety at ease. You're just so, <laughs> you're just like 
It's like smooth ride with you, smooth riding. All right, so oh, sorry, wow. so chill. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just um, I'm a homebody for one. I love my good '90s R&B. That's like my life right there. Um, uh-huh. I like to work out. Um, I love food. Um, I hate- All right, let's let's dive into it. What's a favorite dish or a favorite meal or a dessert? What's your what's your go- couple of your go tos? Um, see, the thing is, all that good food is back at home in Louisiana. Mm. I struggle to find that food here, like gumbo, jambalaya, fried catfish. Um, but since I've been here, I've been eating a lot of Indian food, uh, curries. Um, I honestly, and people might blast me for this but I, I do miss the cheesecake factory if i may be honest <laughs> absolutely you know cheesecake factory is consistent you know what yeah. you're gonna get out of it you know and there's yeah. some there's some there's some good things on that menu you know what you're gonna get from it that's hilarious no cheesecake factory over there in no. london huh? no. you know what's funny do you know um from the states you know tj maxx right like the the store that has yeah but i was walking through london and saw tk maxx yeah do you know the backstory on this what's this all about i have no idea and i've been meaning to look into it because uh every time i see it i'm like why why what's the tk right so i don't know like, i haven't checked into it i I don't know if it's because like it's international and their copyright or not copyright, but they're like trademarking doesn't apply. I just, I'm just Googling it right now. Um, in 1976, CJ Maxx was founded in Framingham, Massachusetts by Bernard Camerata, the first intentional store. Oh, Oh, international store opened in Bristol, UK in 1994. The company modified the name, to TK Maxx to avoid confusion with the established British retail chain, <gasps> TJ Hughes. Oh, all right. Uh, okay. So, so there's a, a British store called TJ Hughes and they didn't want to be confused with it. So they just put it TK instead. Interesting. All right. Look at that. We, we now know some type of like Jeopardy question and <laughs> right. Jeopardy. Um, all right, so sorry, I totally derailed us. You miss uh, Cheesecake Factory, Jambalaya, uh, fried catfish. Uh, you like to work out. What's your What's your go to? Like, you hit the treadmill. What's your like? What do you like to do when you go to the gym or work out at home? Um, I just like weights. Uh, I've been trying to get back into benching more uh, because pre COVID, I was. I pre COVID, I was. Um, I was pretty big and <laughs> I want to get back to that size, but I guess more toned and, um, yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I'll email you, I'll email you some programming after this. So you can try out if you want. Okay. But yeah, I, uh, I just love to lift. That's, that's about it. I hate running. Like you will never, well, I get on the, <laughs> never going to catch you running. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to. Uh, yeah, I'll send. I'll send you some like different interval stuff to trick you into like not even realizing you're running. Um, 
the yeah the continuous hamster wheel of just kind of like running with just aimlessly yeah i'm not the greatest at that either um do you like to do any like uh pre-show rituals i know that you all have like a required warm-up how's the required warm-up go in your show at les mis uh so we have like 10 15 minutes of uh physical warm-up um and it's pretty much just cardio based and we do some light stretching and then we do about 10 15 minutes of a vocal warm-up and it's all group based yeah Um, but that's it Pretty chill. Your call yeah. then is what? An hour before the show then? We're called at an hour and a half. So you're required to be 90 minutes ahead of time. Uh, I, yeah. So I can't count. I'm sorry. I can't count right now, but it's my okay. call is at 6.15. For a 7.30? Yeah. Or or seven th- so an uh, an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Broadway, they're all they're spoiled over there. They only thirty minutes before the show. No required warm ups together. Nothing. Just a bunch of wild animals just running around. No requirements. Um, oh. Did you did you have other gigs before the West End where that wasn't a thing? Like, th- did it take you a little bit of time? Of like, I really I have to. I'm required to do this, or did you kind of like it from the beginning? Um, or you never thought about it much. You're like, all right, this is um, the way it is. You know, when I when I worked for Disney in Hong Kong, um, it was implemented like halfway through my contract, so I was kind of used to not having to do a warm up. And then when it was enforced, I was a bit agitated because I I was going to the gym prior to work so that was my my warm-up um so i just hated that it was enforced rather than you know optional um but like now i'm all about my fitness and i just want to be more healthy so i'm okay with it it doesn't bother me cool how about um football or soccer i'll say uh being from louisiana american football is a big thing over there when you were over in the uk are, have you been – do you have anyone in your circle that's like a crazy soccer fan or how's that culturally been? Or not even sports, but like what's things that people over there friend-wise are super into that is something that you would never think of in the States? Asking this for, you know, predominantly our listeners are from uh, the U.S., so this would be a insightful little bit of information. Um. I know there. I don't know if it's soccer. Uh, wait, it is football. There's the football match um, matches that they have, but it's not American football, like you said. Um, right. And I know that a lot of my colleagues at work are into it. I'm not really a big sports fan. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do know that like the NFL comes here sometimes, and they have big matches here every now and then. Um, yeah, because I know that the Saints were recently here playing someone. Um, so that was quite nice to have like a group of folks from Louisiana here in the UK. Right, right. Yeah, the oh, yeah. 
the game that I think I was there when the Packers were playing and I was like, oh, maybe I'll go, but it was sold out. It's like a big thing where they're just trying to expose the London community to the American football games a bit more. How about uh, this, our, our, my last little like side convo, and then we'll get back into theater for just a sec before I let you go. But how about uh, Halloween over there? Anything fun theme-wise backstage? Uh, you talked about the camaraderie of your cast. Did you guys do anything fun for the holiday? Um, we had some of our castmates come around in uh, costumes, um, offering tricks or treats. Um, oh, tricks or treats. Okay. okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> growing up, like, it was, I don't know about you, but it was always a trick or treat, not trick or treat, but trick or treat. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. And here, trick or treat. So they're offering you either a trick or treat you choose if you want to treat. What, what were some of the tricks? What were some of the tricks? Well, uh, I said trick, and um, uh, my castmate had a water bottle and sprayed me with it. So that was one of the <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, after the the spray to the face, you probably just would have rather had the the treat, especially if you had already done your makeup. Then you would right. have had to, had to touch it up afterwards. All right, so uh, last question for you. We'll kind of uh, take a turn from the silliness or casual talk. You, Your career has uh, seemingly been consistent, like we've been talking about. What's an attribute or two that you think you can uh, contribute that consistency to that you practice either on a daily basis or just something that you continually hone in uh, in your craft or, or practice that you can say, hey, I would put this to why my success has been the way it is? Um, well, I guess number one, just always remain remaining humble. Um, that's just one thing my mom and my family has always instilled in me. Um, and just always know that there's room to grow and like, you can always be better than what you are. Um, I just feel that I'm always a sponge, just soaking up information and material. So I never want to stop learning no matter how old I am. Um, so, you know, those periods when I didn't have work, just making sure that I'm staying in good voice, like singing on the regular, um, keeping my fitness up, um, learning new rep. I think that's very important um, when it comes to auditions. There was one time when I was just always singing like the same old song in auditions. And sometimes they'd ask for another song and I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't have one. This is all I got. Um, yeah. So, you know, just having like at least five good songs contrasting songs um i would say that's about it for, for me yeah i mean the first the the two things you said being humble and being a sponge that covers a lot of bases so i think those are two great pillars to uh live a life under so that's awesome donald appreciate your time um you're off the hot seat, my friend. I hope this was enjoyable for you as much as it was for me, and I'm assuming the listeners too. Um, really great to meet you and a lot of great insight that you provided. Appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Joe. All right. I'll see you. Bye. All right, everyone. 
Donald Craig Manuel, currently in the cast of The West End from Louisiana. And uh, wow, just a super chill, nice guy. Someone you want to hang with for sure. Make sure you check uh, his profile out on Instagram at Donald Craig. You can look at that in the description of this episode. And you can find more information about Donald as well in the description of the episode. Again, I'm Joe Roscoe from Built for the Stage. If you want to try working with me on the app, just go to builtforthestage.com and we'll be on our way. Have a great one. Actors or athletes, train like one. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.